All right, we ready? You're good, man. Okay. Song's called uh, Love in the Dark. Saw your light on a revival hill, a sinner's delight as I beg my heart to steal. And I walked out into the night on a teenage thrill. Never meant to close my eyes Till your light grew dim Now Lord, I ain't asking For a brand new start I just need some direction I'm finding love in the dark To set the mounds ablaze And I had every answer I knew just how to be saved I thought I wanted to be a preacher Maybe I just wanted a stage Cause I was called to Floor didn't have nothing to say, and I used to clench my candle. I used to pray for a spark. Now I'm just content in the struggle. I'm finding love in the dark. My youth, it was a waste On the ancient scrolls When I decided not to hang On the great unknown It ain't that I'm looking toward the grave Lord, I look to hope just praying that the rivers of grace do downward flow cause this light ain't always shine I never figured out my heart I just feel through my midnights finding love in the dark This song's called Appalachian Farewell. It's about whenever, uh, I don't know if, if I ever really told you my whole life story or whatever, but this is, uh, I wrote this about 
leaving the mountains when I was up in the mountains, you know. It's a really desolate place. I was in this like really like backwoods. It was a hole in the ground. They said it was built in a meteorite crater. I was like totally surrounded by mountains. It's called Middlesboro. I pastored a little church up there, and uh, I also reached my wit's end up there and came to the end of end of one. Well, the man that I was died up there, and I left there a different person, you know. Seriously, this is like brand new, brother. This you're the first person that's ever heard this. Black dust hills 
one day my prayers are gonna end in the swell of an Appalachian farewell. Appalachian farewell You know I'm going over to uh you know, you know Josh and Emily Smith, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going over there next Wednesday, and we're going to record in his studio. Yeah. Now that I've like got um, a label or something, I'm supposed to direct people to my official releases. Yeah. So. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's that? My, your label oh, and yeah, your involvement man. with it? What's yeah, been going yeah, on? Yeah, for sure. Uh, three months ago, I signed... Um, I signed on with this uh, label called Skate Mountain Records in Fairhope, Alabama, mm-hmm. and uh, they're headed up by this guy named Scott Lumpkin and his wife Kate. And he's a movie producer. He produces. Um, well, you can look him up on IMDb or whatever. He's produced a whole bunch of stuff. He's a really great guy. Great family. He's got, um, I think, five kids. And anyway, I think about a year and a half, or maybe. Maybe somewhere, give or take, they started a label, um, and they've signed uh, a, a musician down there by the name of uh, Jimmy Lumpkin, and uh, they have a band with him called The Revival, so it's Jimmy Lumpkin and The Revival. They That was their first artist they signed. And then you may know uh, the Underhill Family Orchestra. They're kind of, uh, they're kind of like staples. Um, Mobile, but they're one of those bands that are from Mobile, but you they may only play Mobile once every other like once every six months or something, you know. They do, uh, they're really, really good, man. Um, like really good. You should check them out. You would, you would definitely dig them. Um, they're it's like progressive indie rock kind of thing. And then, um, I don't know if you know the Red Clay Strays, you know the Red Clay Strays. They're a newer band, but uh, they got this guy, Brandon Coleman, that's like, he's the real deal, you know, and uh, they're writing some good songs and like, kind of like Southern Rock. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they got they got this other guy they just signed about the same time they signed me was this, uh, this, this guy from, I want to say he's from Boston, but his name is Avi Jacob. He's a... Uh, Avi. Avi. Yeah, like A-V-I. Uh, well, that may be just like performing as. I don't know. <laughs> or it may be his real name. I don't know, man. But uh, he uh, he does like folk stuff, you know. And then they hire, then they uh, sign, sign me. So, And you know what I do. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I recorded a record up in Nashville uh, with my friend uh, Sean Byrne, the same guy that actually produced my White Trash Lipstick record. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was just about to self-release it. Um, 
about three or four months ago, you know, I was just going to um, put it out on my own. Like I did White Trash Lipstick and do all the... Well, just going out and playing shows and selling yeah, it. Yeah, like what I did with that one, you know, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, there's no way to make money doing that. But, you know, I don't do this for money anyway. But anyway, I was about to put it out, and uh, then I met Scott, and, you know, we started talking, and and then he, I let him listen to my record, and uh, and they dug it, so they uh, so I got a deal on it, and... Uh, yeah, it's gonna. I think we're gonna release it somewhere in January. Is the plan right now? Okay. But it, that's kind of fluid, though. I think. Uh, I just uh, they. I just got. Uh, I just got a publicist. Her name's Michelle Roche, and she's from Athens. But she wa- She's worked with a bunch of, bunch of really cool people and. Um, really, you know, big labels and done a lot of cool stuff uh she mentioned uh working with the flat duo jets and stuff in the past oh okay yeah yeah yeah. so i was like man that's right up my alley you know love that kind of stuff yeah but um yeah so so we we've been working together now for like a week and um so i've got like a team behind me last time you know last time me and you spoke it was just kind of flying solo but now i've got people behind me and man it's a lot better mm-hmm. you know so much it's so much uh uh it feels like it feels like i finally got a little bit of momentum going you know mm-hmm. um despite the scathing reviews of the englishman out there <laughs> yeah 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 we won't mention his name but yeah, yeah there but are that's uh, that's one of the things that we kind of were talking about early before we were recording is just how you have that um, you can have polarizing effects with people. Like some people are just completely drawn to your energy, your intensity, and um, just what what you do on stage, you know, and just kind of leaving it all out there. Yeah. Whereas other people are yeah, just turned off of it for whatever reason because it's outside the realms of what they're traditionally used to handling, exactly. I guess. It, you know? it is, man. And people aren't really accustomed to um, um, to to seeing that. Uh, so, well, maybe not accustomed, but people. Some people don't enjoy seeing um, people get emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I'm not. Which a, is totally to me against what music is about. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but it was almost, I mean, it was the same way when I was preaching. I mean, when I was preaching, I was the guy that, you know, stood up on the pews and would wave a handkerchief and would preach until my voice was gone, you know, week after week. And people don't go to, a lot of people don't go to those kind of churches, you know. They're just, Whereas when I was a kid, I like, I, my parents, you know, brought me along to church and stuff like that, and that's exactly the kind of church I wanted to go to. I would have been right at home at your sermons. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some people like it, some people don't, and it's the same thing, uh, I think it's, I think I'm experiencing the same thing now with, uh, with the way that I'm you know perform i mean it really has shut a lot of doors you wouldn't you know i mean from the outside looking looking you know in i guess it you it may appear that um 
oh well it's you know it's not easy for me to um to get to to play as often as i do like i a lot of uh, doors get shut you know but because of the way that i perform but hey man you know the thing it's like i was telling you before we started recording you know i'm i'm not wearing any mask or nothing you know i'm just i don't i don't i'm not playing a part so it's not like i'm just going to change what i do mm-hmm. because what i i do what i love to do and you know i'm just being real and uh i write songs um not to entertain but to communicate you know and uh if i can't if i can't communicate through my song then i'm really not interested in playing you know because um well number one i'm not an entertainer you know i'm i really suck at singing and i suck at playing the guitar you know and uh and so not all it's not maybe you know i don't entertain because number one i can't you know and number two i really don't want to i just i like to i like to try to communicate a message you know and um in the song or tell a story or or you know there to be some purpose you know in the song other than just hey that made me feel good you know what i mean Mm. i don't know i could listen in that in my car on my way to work and you know it'd be bearable Mm. you know you want something more that's kind of more gripping to people exactly yeah yeah. yeah, that that's really, you know, that's what I'm going for, man. Which is weird because I think about people like who who would think to turn down Joe Cocker because it's like, oh, white man, like yeah. we need to tone it down a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, but that's that's what I want to hear. You know, oh, yeah, a guy man. that's just just leaves himself almost. Me too. I mean, could you imagine going into the uh, local catfish house and seeing, like, a sun house sitting in the corner playing guitar? Right. You know, you can't eat catfish to sun house. You know what I'm saying? Right. It would be disturbing, you know? (laughs) You wouldn't be able to hold down catfish while watching. You know what I'm saying? It's too emotional, you know? And, uh, you know, that's what... That's what... When I began to write songs that's what my influence people like that like bob dylan you know you can't you can't eat catfish and barbecue with with bob dylan sitting in the corner you mm-hmm. know could you imagine you know like you know you, you sit down and you eat catfish to some guy singing you know wasting away in margaritaville or something you know but not not like you know, blowing in the wind. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta put your catfish down for a minute. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, so you know, that's that's kind of it's limiting, but it's also um, it all it's also opens doors as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's really open. To, Some people want an experience where they. It's it's safe. It feels traditional. It's what they're used to. Yeah. It's within the realm of what they what their where their music taste lies. And then other right. people want to put on an album that you don't really listen with other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, you throw on a Pink Floyd album and you just turn the lights out and you just lay in your living room and yeah. you just experience it from front to back or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah. But so I, I understand where people come with the whole idea of of 
wanting people that are marketable and oh man reachable on a wide level absolutely but like, it's it's like the music industry is hard enough to work in as it stands on its own i mean it's brutal you know oh yeah and to be going out there and doing it in such a way that isn't the way that you want to do it isn't true to your to your actual creativity that that to me is worse than the industry itself man tell me about it brother you are preaching the choir i i uh and and let me and let me say you know i mean uh let me just plug my label you know not you know not one time has that ever plug away man that has that ever arisen you know like uh you know they just they just tell me tell me to keep doing my thing and uh that's really liberating you know mm-hmm. to um i've never really thought in terms of marketability you know and and you know, man. Even when I say stuff like this, sometimes I think, like, man, that that sounds like I'm trying to sound cool. You know, I'm not really trying. I really just, you know, I wrote. And part of that is, you know, I've I've been writing songs for 15 years, man. But you know, I was too scared to play them for anybody. So like, marketability was the absolute least of my concerns. I I was scared to even play them for someone outside of my wife and you know my mom. So. You know, I never was concerned about marketability, and I still really ain't. You know, it's it's more about making something beautiful that has a message in it. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I, to me, that's what's magic about music. You know, when you can make a message beautiful. Mm-hmm. What would you say was different about recording? this this last time in nashville as opposed to your first album well the first that's a good question man i'm glad you asked that because this new record is going to sound totally different than my first record my first record i recorded after about a month and a half after playing my first gig ever all of those songs were songs that were really untested um um, you know, they were unproven, you know. Now, I, when I write a song, you know, I, I take it out to the shows with me and I, and I put it at, to the proven grounds, you know. I see if people respond, you know. I see how people take it. And, uh, and some of them get dumped or some of them get changed, you know, and then some of them get tweaked. And, and you know, some of them, uh, you know, some of them I know, okay, those these are these are good you know these are the ones that that um that easy relatable easily relatable you know by people that hear them and uh i didn't have that with with white trash lipstick you know it was it was i had played i had played a songwriter competition met sean byrne who also played that night who ended up producing that record He's like, hey man, have you ever played music? Where where do you play? And I was like, ah, I played a few open mics. You know, I played the open mic over at Government Street Grocery a few times. And uh, he was like, well, come up to Nashville and we will um, we'll record a record, you know. And so I played one gig at the Listening Room in Mobile, and then I went off and did it. And so the songs on that record, uh, I mean, I'm extremely proud with how they came out, but it's like a snapshot of me. White trash lipstick was like a, a snapshot of me when I, right as as I was first 
you know, first starting. And uh, my new record is gonna is called uh, Cotton Fields and Blood for Days. It's gonna be uh, it's a lot. The songs in it are a lot more. Um, they're more proven, and uh, you know they're the way that I perform. Like a lot of stuff on White Trash Lipstick, I don't even perform. When I do perform those songs, I perform them differently. I've changed lyrics on a few of them, you know. Whereas this new record I got is more me currently but if you talk to me in another year i may say you know that was me then and i'm doing this the other but but yeah you know cotton fields and blood for days man i'm super proud of it it's got it's you know the first record was like uh upright bass and some acoustic lead and maybe a mandolin or something here and there but uh this new record's going to have a little bit of that, but then it's got some crazy, like, uh, Tom Waits-ish kind of production uh, uh, on a few songs. We got, like, um, we got like some screaming guitars, and I wrote a song called I Wish I Was a Punk Rocker, you know, and it's got, like, this whole punk rock feel to it. We got, uh, and then we got a couple of songs with some, with some cello. Um, I got, um, a lady named Courtney Blackwell who plays with her husband in a band called uh, Honey Boy and Boots, but she also plays with uh, Dylan LeBlanc and the Pollies. Mm-hmm. Um, she came um, to the studio up there in Nashville and she put in some cello on a couple of songs and so, um, and you know, layered it. Mm-hmm. It sounds really full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's got like a, there's like a lot, there's like a, a broad range, a broad mix of uh, song textures. I'm really proud of it, and uh, I can't wait till we, you know, finally get it out there. But, you know, when you're dealing with a label, you know, it takes. There's a lot of other stuff that has to be, you know, and done to make sure that, you know, it gets done right mm-hmm. and uh, gets me out to a bigger audience. You know, I never, I've never been on like any of Spotify or iTunes, but um. That's all going to change now, you know. That it's going to be available for streaming services and all that, which I don't don't really know much about. But yeah, it's cool to have people that do know that about do it, know. you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it, I'm 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 really really like excited about the future, man. You know, I'm like really excited, and there's a lot of things like that, you know, still in the works that. Um, you know that I don't. I I wouldn't feel comfortable mentioning them. You know, right now because not they're not landed. But you know, just a lot of really big things that uh, that we're working on for this new record that uh, could be, you know, could be game changers. You know, mm-hmm. take take my music out to large audiences, which is which is all I want, man. You know, like mm-hmm. you said, it's polarizing. Well. The more people that hear it, you know, the more, <laughs> you know, more, more might get turned on to it. Yeah. You got to look for that, the side of the fence of the people that are uh, yeah. really in, into what it is, you know. Right. You know. Yeah, I know what I do it for everybody and that's okay. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I realize that, uh, that, you, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to like my music to be cool. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, you can you can just not like what I do, and uh, like when I first started, I, it was kind of offensive, you know. But um, and I 
I, you know, now I, I get it, you know, so there's some people that just aren't, and it's like that in Mobile, like I've plateaued in Mobile, you know, like everybody that attends music shows in Mobile, um, they've already heard me, you know, and they either like me or they don't like me, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing I can do, like, to change that, mm-hmm. so which is what's led me really. That's what led me to start leaving town because you know, um, uh, on the Gulf Coast, you know, there's only a certain amount of folks that actually attend live music events. You know that, and after about a year and a half of playing Mobile and the Gulf Coast regularly, you know, I've pretty much played to everyone who will come see me. You know, and. uh out of the people that actually attend the shows, and I don't even know how we got off on that. But well, I saw I was reading some of your your dates coming up. You're going to quite a few places. And yeah, you told me you were were you going as far out as Ohio? I'm going to Ohio in uh, November. Yeah, Indiana and Ohio, and then I'm going to try to come back down through West Virginia. But um, thing keeps slipping away from me. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going uh, this weekend. I'm going to be in uh, New Orleans and then uh, going up to Atlanta next week. I'm going out to Galveston next next weekend, playing the old quarter. I don't know if you ever, I don't know, have you ever, you ever listened to Towns Van Zandt? I've heard of the guy. <clears throat> yeah, Towns he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. You should. Yeah, dude, you should totally check out Towns Van Zant. Just when, towns like towns. Uh, with an e at the after the e after the n, so it's T O W N E S. Yeah, Van Zant. He um, he was, he's one of my greatest inspirations lyrically. <clears throat> but um, anyway, Towns Van Zant's best record is called Live at the Old Quarter. So, um, the Old Quarter. Uh, is still there and actually the man who owns the old quarter is named Rex Bell and Towns Van Zant wrote a song about him called Rex's Blues and the guy still owns the old quarter over there oh wow and so uh, yeah I called I called him up one day and I said hey I'm a Partridge I play music and I love Towns Van Zant and I want to play the old quarter and one thing led to another and I ended up getting a gig out there so yeah, I'm so stoked about it, man. Be like one of those um one of those landmarks, you know. Not not just, you know, the show the show may be horrible. I mean, I I I I have no reason to believe that. It's it's like a songwriter's venue. I'm actually opening for this killer songwriter named Susan Gibson out of Texas. And um but just to be able to, you know, play the old quarter and uh you know, it's one one of those big you know, one of those big a personal kind of, accomplishments in a exactly. lot of sense. Yeah, 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 you know, um, play playing the old quarter is going to be big for me. You know, it may not yeah. be big for anybody else, but for me, it's going to be huge. Yeah. So, do you just reach out to a lot of places if you're just trying to <clears throat> play and you just? Dude, I make. You know, I go home from work every day and I start sending out emails and. A lot of gig, like that gig I got just from cold call, man. Um, uh, you know, a lot of other gigs, I just network with other songwriters. You know, I play a lot of, a lot of I try to play a lot of festivals when mm-hmm. I can. I'm playing, I'm playing one of the coolest festivals 
next month in Austin, or out, right outside Austin, called Dripping Springs Songwriter Festival. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, it's going to be. that's That was a complete, like, total life changer last year as far as songwriting goes. I made connections there that have really been invaluable, you know. I mean... They, uh, I met guys there that got me into the right, the, the, the songwriting group, the songwriting group that I was in, where you, you, um, you know, you write a, a song once a week and kind of hold each other accountable, and, uh, which totally changed my creative, you know, muscle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I've been doing that, you know, for about a year. And, um, uh, it's it's been a game changer, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I'm headed back up there and then so when I'm there I'll just meet other songwriters and um find the ones that I mesh with and you know, we try to help each other out, you know. And that's that's the way I it, that's mostly the way that I, you know, get out and about as much as I do, but um yeah, I just leave out every weekend, dude, and go, you know. I put a lot of miles on that Prius, man. <laughs> as as far as cr- creative writing goes, where do you feel is is your best space to write to create? Dude, I drive one hour to work and one hour home every day, and I cook up all kinds of ideas on the road there. Yeah, and on the road back because it's just me and the Prius and Jesus, you know. So you get to come the up. The Prius and Jesus. Yeah. Album number three right <laughs> hey, there. Hey, dude, there's the next line, dude. That that that's the next that's the next song. We don't don't let that one out on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Me, the Prius and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I come up with all kind of crazy ideas there. And uh I don't know, I just keep my eyes open and my ears open, you know, and sometimes something will kinda you know, some words just kind of are like musical, and or some phrases, some mm-hmm. ideas are just kind of musical. And when they hit you and they're musical, I just write them down, and then, mm-hmm. and then I'll try to build a song around it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I do it. Yeah. yeah, and your your music is really heavily lyric based. So, and yeah. from what it sounds like, it sounds like the the creation process of a song usually starts with lyrics for you, um, as opposed to. Maybe the guitar. Well, so, some of them do. Uh, you know, so, some of I never like sit down with a guitar and write lyrics at the same time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll pick up a guitar and I'll play around with a guitar and I'll say, "Whoa, this progression is this is this is really cool." Mm-hmm. And you can kind of hear, okay, this progression needs you know this is a this is a need this needs a something mel- very melancholy or. It, which is almost always the case in my songs, but you know, you know, and then and then then I'll kind of write lyrics to it, but uh, not at the same time. Like I can't sit down with a guitar and play a, and write lyrics at the same time. I either like come up with with a cool melody or or I come up with words first. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I would say that's usually for me. It's almost always with the guitar first. That's usually where it starts for me. Yeah, you know, usually lyrics. Sometimes it'll be like a hook or a chorus or something like that, and then mm-hmm. off of that, a melody will come, 
and mm -hmm. then I'll, if if there's like a central theme to it, then then maybe some other lyrics will come. But I feel like for me, lyrics always come after the piece is kind of finished in itself. When I have a feel of how everything else is going, instrumentally speaking. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's um I think that's important. Um, especially in the the kind of music that you play, you know, you're you're you play a you play a lot of riff based stuff, right? What would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, I, w I would guess so. Um, I'm kind of I'm varied. Like um, people, one of the things that people told me whenever me and Eddie Dixon did that that little ten piece yes. uh, ten track demo album, I got it. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the biggest things I, I got that I was so happy about because. Um, is that each song is it's not it, it's everything's different yeah and I, that's what i like most about artists what was I, that one about oklahoma oklahoma that's it oh yeah, yeah yeah i like that one dude now that's a song okay so where it started off as the guitar and then sometimes whenever i'm doing that whenever i'm in the flow i'll just sing as it's as i'm just starting to create the guitar stuff and i'll record it and I'll just sing whatever, and then I'll go back and I'll listen to what I sang, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll pick up the pieces of consciousness. What was I talking about? Yeah, and that's one of those songs for me that I'm I'm most proud of because one, it's it's traditional blues in in a lot of sense, but also because it feels like something that came entirely not from me. You know, an original piece of work that doesn't that I don't feel like I can, and after kind of going back through and just playing around singing improv to it a couple times and going back and listening and, and piecing and writing things down and then fleshing out the story, like writing more lyrics based on the lyrics that I had kept. It came out to be this story of, of just what I took to be this guy who kind of had a relationship with two different women where he was here in one place and he had this one life and then he would go off and play music or whatever he was doing and then on the road it's kind of this reflection mm -hmm. and he doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets back to where he's going uh, because he's so conflicted with all these things and I'm just like I don't I didn't have that life experience you know what I'm saying right so I feel like that came from somewhere else and if it wasn't me then 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 what was it and for someone who really appreciates traditional blues music and who tries to go back and and tap into all that stuff. Sometimes I just accept the fact that I have to attribute it to somebody else who came before me, you know, whether it was just an accumulation of the, the experiences musically that I've heard or, um, that I just picked something up out and out and out of space, you know, oh, you know yeah. just received something, somebody, yeah, something or someone said, you know, this, this is for you. You know, Dude, and then I, and, yeah. and I turn around and I say, "This is for everybody." Mm -hmm. I, I have the the same experience, man. Like I've I've wrote songs. Like I got this song I wrote called "Colors," which uh, a lot of people that are into my songs they think that's my best song. And dude, I promise you, I don't remember writing it. You know, it was. I mean, I know. I remember. I remember like writing the words on the paper and thinking about it for a few. But like some of those lines in there, I don't even remember like me, you know, like really dwelling on it. It was just kind of like I wrote them down, and I didn't, and I thought the song was, you know, 
didn't really think it was that good and uh but you know everybody loves it and i and i'm pretty sure that's going to be the single on my new you know my new record mm-hmm. and uh but yeah like I, I feel the same way it's like it's almost just like it's like a spiritual thing sometimes when um they just kind of come you know mm-hmm. there's some that are forced and and i have forced some you know and 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 i and i still you know think that they're good too but then there's some that you know just like it's almost magic you know mm-hmm. yeah it's all it's always good to, it's i think it's always good to keep that too you know mm-hmm. to, to keep, keep that mindset you know it's okay for it to be magic you know and, I, and it probably should be magic mm-hmm. you know it's like uh um as long as you have that as long as it's kind of that wonder about it you know and uh there's <clears throat> it's coming from a place that you can't identify that's a good thing you know mm-hmm. it make it makes it i don't know it makes it more makes it more exciting when they do come you mm-hmm. know yeah because everybody else is kind of wondering how did he do that how did you do that and secretly you're wondering yeah <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah the yeah. same thing in yeah a way. absolutely man absolutely i totally i totally know where you're coming from <clears throat> and that's that's the thing that that creates timeless music i feel like that when you go back and you listen to um john lee hooker or um, um mississippi fred mcdowell there's there's been some stuff where like one time um I was kind of out of my mind and I was driving my car and cashmere came on and it was just too intense for me. And I was like, I got to change this up. So I put, um, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm trying to remember it was, we, we talked about him when, um, lightning Hopkins. That's it. Wow. Lightning Hopkins. Dude, you can't go wrong with lightning. Hopkins. That's what I'm talking about. Now I just threw one of his thing, one of his, uh, albums in, and uh, went from just having like a too intense Hammer of the Gods experience to hearing <laughs> that just stripped down acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. And then I just found myself crying because I really got absorbed into what he was saying. Yeah. And it was just this crazy transition. And it's... Uh, Dude, I'm so glad to hear you say that, man. You know, and it's stuff like that. I mean, that's an old, those are old recordings. Oh, yeah. You know, and just the fact that you'd be able to just, you know, figure that out off well, the top of your head dude, if it does I, just sitting I, here I, dude i've listened to if if i haven't heard the lightning hopkins catalog at least 10 times then <laughs> i would be surprised that uh because uh yeah uh i mean that that i love i love that guy that's another one of those i mean it's all heart stuff you know mm-hmm. you know there was no no there was no attempt to you know to be commercial with that stuff you know it was just like it was just like this display of uh of raw human emotion mm-hmm. and it just dude it just translates through time you know mm-hmm. i mean I, I i i think i may be wrong but i think in like 500 years people will still be listening to that stuff i may be wrong but i i i would doubt it i think there will still be people that 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 because there's there was it's so it's so deeply human at mm-hmm. the core of what we are you know mm-hmm. Which bugs the shit out of me that we, you know, so much of what we have now is just a saturation of just, I'm like, you're not going to be listening to this in a couple of months. Oh, no. You know no. what I mean? All, just about everything that we call commercial 
is is that way. Mm-hmm. It, it's it is a fad. Mm-hmm. It is new it's kids designed on the block, for some dude. sort of product placement or yeah. some yeah. sort of age group demographics. Something yeah. that's happening and it in will the world not right stand. Now. You know, yeah. there there are a few artists I think that are making music that will, but they are few and far between. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, I, well, see, I say that, but I know there's probably there's you know, they're not. They're not. There's nobody to help them publicize themselves in this world that you know we live in. There, you know, uh, the music industry, as we have ta- talked about, is so hard to to make any money in. You know, the people that are unmarketable um, go unnoticed. You mm-hmm. know, but yeah, man. I mean, I I think. I think yeah, I think that because I've done the same thing. You know, I've cried listening to Lightning Hopkins. I've cried listening to Towns Van Zandt. You know, I've never turned on the radio and cried to any of that crap. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, something about it, man. Something about like there, there is a there is, you know, it's out there. You just gotta gotta dig for it, you know. I think I think there are artists out there doing it. I mean, I know some are. You know, Have you ever heard John Moreland? John Moreland came through Mobile. I want to say about six months ago, and I kid you not, I cried like a baby, and because uh, it was so moving. Like uh, he just he's this this he's a he's a huge humongous guy. Like he could not fit through that door. And he gets up there and he has a Martin D eighteen and it looks like a child's guitar. And he sets up and he sets up there. He sits up there, dude. And when it whenever he came in, you know, I'm sitting on the front row. And I was only there because some of my friends were like, You really gotta go see this guy. And uh they said John Moreland's just just a, you know, songwriter extraordinaire. So I'm like, Okay. And he walks in and I'm like, Oh my god, you know. And uh, his, because uh, I mean, his appearance is, it's uh, noticeable. It's yeah, it's 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 not it's not what you're expecting, you know, going in. And then and then he just opens his mouth and he starts singing some of the the the, the most poetically sad songs. Uh, just, I mean just drowning in emotion and uh he had no in between song banner he told no jokes he didn't inter- <laughs> he didn't introduce any of his songs it was just like one song another song another song another song then he got up and he waved his he waved and he just walked out and dude i mean i, I it was it was almost spiritual man you know and i'm just sitting there with my you know my jaw on the floor and uh, he's he's a he's a socially awkward guy, you know. But I mean, dude, when he, he he's one that's got it, you know. But tell me, tell me his name one more time. His name is John Moreland, M O R E L A N D. But uh, yeah, he's freaking great, man. And see, that's kind of how I I wish it could be. Of if you just go on the stage. And there's like not a lot of in between. You just kind of do your thing and you leave and it creates that mystique of just what did I just see? 
Where's, yeah. the, where's that guy going? I want to talk to him. No, you can't talk to him. Oh, no, he went He's going back. home. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think bands like, like Zeppelin and Tool, who have that, where they're just pulled back. They don't want to do a lot of interviews or whatever. You know, there's different different groups across the time where that lack of knowing what's going on drew people even more. Yeah. We're not going to do the music videos. We're not going to do the commercials. You have to buy our albums. Yeah. You remember when you used to buy albums? Oh, you dude, have to man. buy the album. Yeah. Those days are gone, man. We live in the information age, dude. I'm, I'm telling you, I still I still do CDs. Like a lot of the CDs that you buy now, they give you the audio rip or whatever yeah. too. But like I've got the new Queens of the Stone Age. I got the new Prophets of Rage and um oh, cool. and, and the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters album is great, and I've I've been worried about that. But it's the he Dave Grohl and the and the team they've kind of they've kind of um, they made a, a darker album again. Oh, in, a, yeah. in a way and it's got it's got the dark and light and uh i'm just a hu- huge fan of dave so looking forward to him at, at voodoo for sure yeah cool man but uh yeah i still do cds man and i've got a cd player that i tote <laughs> around like an old sony boombox. yeah you know if i just need to have something somewhere uh but uh yeah that are in the yeah, car yeah i mean I, I buy i i buy a lot i buy records when like if if i'm go to see a band i really and i like them mm-hmm. and they have a record i'll buy the record um and like i do have a few cd's too mm-hmm. but it's mostly from my friends like my friends have cd's you know and they're yeah. like hey you know swap cd's but um my new my new record i'm primarily putting on vinyl Really? Yeah, we're going to do vinyl and download. It's going to come with a download card, you know. Okay. And then yeah, you can stream fun. it. But I think we're going to have we're going to have some CDs made up, but you know, not not a not a terrible a whole terrible amount of them cuz man, there you're I'm glad you're buying CDs, but most people aren't, you know. They're yeah, just, I know I'm a rarity. You are. Yeah. You're one of the one of the rare guys. David Elliott from WLOX, he came over and he's like, what are you doing with all these books? Like, <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? It's like, Kindle, man. Kindle, yeah. yeah. He's like, I swear I would never do it. And then my wife bought me one and that's all I do now. Yeah. I'm like, But I, I want like, I want people to walk in and have something to talk about, you know? Yeah. See Anthony Kiedis, Scar Tissue and yeah, Slaughterhouse, that too. Slaughterhouse 5, Think and Grow Rich. You know? Yeah. Books about traveling the world, you know, vagabonding and stuff like that so i tell you i'm trying to i'm trying to get in a van situation i'm trying to go mobile oh really yeah 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 that's awesome man yeah you know those like the the planets you know those ford uh transits yeah those big tall ones yeah yeah i mean they were best sellers in europe for 40 years ford was producing over in europe and they were the number one selling transit van they just started putting them out in 2013 here now they're the top sellers here yeah so Super customizable. I mean, you can snag one up pretty cheap, and you can get get a high top. You know, you can get they've got the cargo model or a passenger model, just depending on what you want. And uh, yeah, you go on YouTube, and there's all these people, a lot of young people and stuff like that, but who just are converting these things and traveling yeah. on it. And they're pretty good on gas. They're very well rated. And uh, yeah, I'm th- I'm thinking of you just... know I I have a friend named Carrie Ray. She's a songwriter out of indiana i'm actually playing a show with her mm-hmm. in november she is she i, I want to say it's a transit i'm not sure it could be that dodge thing 
Uh, the Dodge Promaster or something, something like that. But anyway, she basically has a bed, mm-hmm. you know, like a bunk, mm-hmm. and she has, like, curtains up. She she can live in that thing, sure. you know. And uh, she she's traveling, you know, playing. Yeah, playing, doing the road life. Playing shows, you know. I yeah. mean, if I was a single man, dude, that would just absolutely, that would sound like the thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you a bit, brother. That sounds exciting. Yeah. You know, adventurous. Yeah. And and it's all, for me, it's a, it's about just getting duck your ducks in order, you know, and trying to get the money situation to kind of get it. No, I don't want a lot of debt on the road. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm finishing up the first edit of, of this book to India that I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm about to start putting the manuscript out to some people just to uh, get some feedback, figure out where the weaknesses are, tighten it up. Um, Is it about your trip there? Mm-hmm. Nice, man. Yeah, it's the time I spent there, and uh, and Jimmy Watson, who I went with, who's who's kind of a character in her own right, and just the the people I met. I mean, I was over there for the presidency when when Trump and Hillary were the day of and just all the other stuff that was going on. There was a lot of other stuff and Darren Sala where the Dalai Lama lives and yeah. So that's just, awesome. Just man. trying to finish that out. And I mean, you know, that's, it's another road tool. Music's a road tool. Podcasting's yeah. a road tool, you know, right, and right. that all that stuff in itself and just, and just the act of going out and traveling and living that lifestyle, I feel like is enough to get me, uh, to network with other podcasters. And I feel like that's the, the way to go. Like, um, Tim Ferriss, um, tools yeah, of the Titan I've, right there. I've read, uh, I've read a book by him before. Probably not the four hour one. work week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not that one. Yeah. Um, that's his newest one right there, which, uh, which was really good tools of the Titan. But he was talking about how when he did his first book, that four hour work week, he, he didn't want to do any of the the traditional like the way they used to do it, where you would go to like a bookstore and give um, like a book speech or whatever. Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. Yeah, yeah. but oh, people yeah. would show up, and then you would just I guess talk about the book, and then some people would buy the book if they wanted, and you'd sign it or. And I just thought, man, what an incredibly ineffective way to do it, especially since now like bookstores are becoming dinosaurs. You know, yeah, they're going yeah. out of business, like blockbusters and everything else. And so he, like podcasts were a thing that were coming up. So he, that's what he started doing and, and networking with bloggers, you know, and doing blog posts and stuff like that. And he, you know, he's an interviewer guy. He's got his own podcast and stuff. So he would start <clears throat> hitting people up, authors, other authors, and start the the process of, of the mentor, what he calls like the mentor the and, and uh, student relationship. And he would just ask, what would you say as an author? What's your biggest... You're the biggest way to kind of promote and they blogging bloggers and podcasters and stuff like that, mm. which is right up my alley. I mean, I would love to go around and, you know, just talk with other people and be on other folks shows and stuff like that. So I'm thinking if I have enough going on that I could probably entice, trick some people <laughs> yeah. to let me into their studio or something. Yeah. So. Cool, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll be rooting for you back here on the home front, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of way the way you can do it. I mean, uh, what would you do? I mean, if if you really started getting some attention and and 
needed to travel more? You know, do you think you would just do flights and just go out? Oh. And I, I mean, when you go into Ohio, are you going to just drive there? I'm driving, man. I got driving. a Prius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that the day comes where I just essentially live on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, playing playing music. I mean, that's 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 the whole part of this thing that I enjoy. You know, I <clears throat> enjoy writing songs and I like playing them for people. Mm-hmm. That's that's really like the that's what really makes me do all this stuff. That's that's why I put all the hours and hours and hours and hours in the end of traveling and. Um, you know, all the business side of it and the, mm-hmm. the, you know, losing all the money that I've lose, that I've lost on it, you know, <laughs> cause yeah, I've, I've been doing it two years. I've yet to, you know, make any money at it, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that what keeps me going is just playing. So, I mean, yeah, my, if I wasn't, you know, if I didn't have, a family i you know i've got a wife and three kids that i that i i provide for and that's number one and but i hope they're i i, sir, I sincerely hope the day comes when i can support myself through my art you know but you know that's a long shot but uh it ain't gonna keep me from trying you know yep so just keep pressing man yep I met a girl um, when I was down at Murky Waters watching you play, Amelia. Amelia um, Presley? Amelia Presley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. my friend, yeah. Yeah, she told me she knew you. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah it she, sounds like she's d- doing a little bit of road, road work. She's a road warrior, man. Yeah. <clears throat> she really actually, impressed. the way, <clears throat> that's a funny story. Uh, we We actually booked the same show in Dahlonega, Georgia, which happens to be where the biggest gold mine is in the in the whole United States. But uh there's a listening room there called the Crimson Moon, which is just an awesome place. And anyway, we booked a show there together and uh the the people that run the venue are like, Well do you know Amelia? I was like, uh, I don't you know, I don't think so and uh well actually they said, Do you know Amelia? And I th- and I thought that they were talking about a different Somebody named <clears throat> Amelia White that um, that I had just like just that week somebody had said hey you need to check out I think her name was Amelia White and I did and I was like really taken with some of her tunes and then whenever that email came I thought that when they said Amelia Presley the first thing that came was Amelia I was like yeah and then I realized wait a minute this is a different Amelia and uh, well come to find out we only live like ten miles from each other oh wow yeah so I ended up going over to her place and. And uh, we got acquainted, and she's she's a really sweet, good person, you know. And she, I think she's out in California right now playing shows, you know. But yeah, she's really cool, man. Yeah, she that was cool. that was nice of her to come. She took a video that I ended up putting online, you know, from that night at Murky Waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a she's cool. Yeah, I've made a lot of friends, you know, doing doing this two years you know 
two years, I've met a lot of folks. I mean, my Facebook, my Facebook, you know, went from like 200 friends to like 1,600 friends in two years. You know? yeah. Of course, I don't know half these people. You know, yeah, you know, I, I just get, I just get requests all the time. Yeah, when I the 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 time that I opened for you at the the listening room, yeah, I started. That's when I started getting a lot of people from Mobile, and I still get these hits, and and from Pensacola too, and like the Florida yeah. area. Yeah, like right. us, like Destin and Panama City. Yeah, I get people like friend requesting me from there all the time. Yeah, and I'm just like delete, delete, delete. I don't even know who these people are. I, I, I actually go through and I check these profiles. Do you? I do, and it because it's usually easy to find the spammers because it's just like uh, videos or like right, right. You know, it's or some very attractive woman. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, not really. You, yeah, you I'm looking for friend. pictures. I'm looking for people that are actually res- responding to the people, and there's like actual dialogue going on. But I don't know how the I don't know all the tricks. You know, I'm sure they're they're slipping under the cracks because I'll I'll accept somebody, and then I'll immediately get like five others. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, dude. Uh, tell me about. I know it. you guys aren't a fan of the music or anything because right. you're, you're not buying. Yeah, <laughs> you know so. It's yeah. like, what's going on? And, and I don't know. I don't know. There's just no telling with all that stuff. But I, I mean, I just hate the idea that there could be somebody that I met through you or through doing um, like that songwriter thing. Well, you weren't there. That I, I did a songwriter thing in Destin. No, yeah, you did it uh, mm. in Gulf Shores. Gulf Shores. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, and there was all these people there. And I can't remember if they like selected a person or two that yeah. was the point of the competition. Yeah. But I, I didn't make it or whatever, but I was the only person that somebody bought a CD from. <laughs> and then so yeah. I, then I started seeing, and I was just like, I just don't know, you know? Yeah. And I hate the idea that it could be somebody who actually cares. Yeah. You know, yeah. A real person. Actually wants to connect. With a real you. person, a real human being and not a bot. And, I've uh, thought, dude, I've seriously thought about going through mine. I like, I just, uh, like, what I do is, like, I just unfollow people. If I don't know them, I just unfollow yeah. them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'll accept a lot of times, but if I don't know. If they start talking too much crap on there, that, you know, if they yeah. start talking about Donald Trump and all this and all, you know, yeah. American flags and stuff, I'm just like, unfollow, you yeah. know, because I don't need that in my life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have anybody on there that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a weird way to connect with people, but it's it kind is. of the way I know. I despise it, dude. I hate it so much, but it is like so ingrained in our and everything that I do now. It's like mm-hmm. um, you have to have it. You know, I mean, I connect. I connect with so many people through that platform. Mm-hmm. You know, I get gigs through that platform. Yep. You know, people find out about my music through that platform. They know where I'm going to play through that platform. It sucks, man, but nobody goes to aidpartridge.com. You know what I'm saying? Even though it's out there and it has all my shows listed on it, you know, no, people just, they don't go to like. It's easier to have that network where everybody's involved in it, everybody's in on yeah. it. And then just, you know, if you get enough likes then your thing will get aggregated if somebody is a friend with somebody else and then right you know they see it and then they click on it now they're at your page they follow you yeah. you know they might listen to some videos or see a date where you're playing somewhere near them 
but that's about the extent they don't have time to like leave that realm because they got other shit to do on there you know yeah they've got dog pics to <laughs> you know and, and videos of oh. you know whatever else to tell me to about check it out, man but. it's so so nauseating yeah yeah uh, social media is nauseating yeah. but you know it's part of it's part of the new reality man yeah and I guess it does, in a sense, make it easier for for guys to have a shot, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you're able to get. Man, yeah, like I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of what like the internet has done. You know, I mean, I, well, I take like there are some bad things that have happened as a result of the internet i mean but the good things like far outweigh you know any of the bad stuff but yeah like like one of the good things is that you know a guy like me can put music out and somebody in you know london england could be listening to it tomorrow which that's Mm -hmm. pretty awesome you know but you know it's also like um made it to where people don't go to live shows anymore you know very it's like the live show is almost a that's dying that's a dying thing too you know i mean i don't think it'll ever fully die because when people go they realize like if you go to good shows it gets addicting you know like you want to go back to another good show in fact i mean i went to some good shows when i was a kid you know and like i'm always chasing that next killer show you Mm -hmm. know that yeah, <clears throat> and then some I leave disappointed. I mean, most I I leave you know like man, but every now and then you know it's like when you finally get to that one good show, it's worth it. But dude, uh, uh, the young like young people don't go to shows anymore. Like going to live shows is not a thing that a lot of young people do, and that's kind of scary, you know, mm. because they I mean they. They watch, They find music online. They listen to music online. They watch videos online. They find their girlfriends online. They're kind of boyfriends online. You know, they don't, like used to, like when I was growing up, you know, you went, if you went out, you could run into a girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you went out to town. <clears throat> you would go, you know, live music show, you, you know, and you could mix and mingle. Well, now, you know, people are, you know, downloading apps for that, you know, so, <laughs> so yeah, the only people that are actually going to shows are people that want to, you know, re- which is a kind of a good thing, too, you know, there's, there's, dude, there's good and bad and all of it, you know, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I play a lot of shows, man, and I'm usually one of the younger guys in the crowd when I'm playing, and I don't think it's just my music because I go to a lot of shows too. I go to rock and roll shows. I go to a loud punk rock shows. A lot of them. That's really the kind of music I prefer to listen to, like, um, or it, for to prefer to, prefer to watch live. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I those like, guys, Sonic Graffiti, that you turned me on to. Absolutely, they played at the Jewel wanna, Room. Yeah. Just blown away. And they, according to them, you know, it was like a terrible. That was that was one of their worst shows. Yeah. Yeah, and it probably was. I mean, the amp was going out. Yeah. There was technical difficulties, but yeah. I mean, 
That's what I love. Yeah, shredded. You know. Yeah, dude. That's what I love, man. And that that to me, I love I love to see shows like that where people leave it all out on the mm-hmm. floor, and that's that's most predominant in in rock and roll and and like punk rock. Mm-hmm. Though it does happen occasionally with songwriters, you know, uh, not often, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, that's the kind of show I try to give. But um, I love to see, and but the back what I was talking about was even at those punk shows, dude. Like, and I know it's I know I live in Mobile, Alabama, you know, which is, you know, not not the haven for rock and roll, but, um, you know, it is. From I just remember what it was when I was younger to now. Seems like a lot less of the the youth are really into that. And I, maybe I'm just some old dude saying "get off my lawn," you know. But I I I I think that's been one of the negative effects of you know social media. Everybody live feeds. You know why do you have to go to a show when you can watch it on your phone? Yeah. It's about yeah. making things convenient now. Yeah, it's not, it's not it's not convenient to leave your house an hour before the show, get cleaned up, go down to a show, pay money to walk into this place, you know, buy an overpriced beer, sit down, listen to this band <clears throat> who's probably going to get up thirty minutes late. And then you're going to be going home later than you want to go home. You got to get up and go to work the next day or whatever. I mean, but uh. Luckily, there's still people that really enjoy that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's the young. Ho- hopefully, something comes along where people start going to live shows or, or revisit that. But I think that's one of the things that's kind of suffering, you mm-hmm. know. But um, I don't know, man. You know, I love, I love live shows, you know. To me, some of the greatest greatest most exhilarating times of my life have been at live performances you know mm-hmm. of all different kinds of music just like I was talking about John Moreland you know yeah that was a real that was a real you know that was a really good good experience you know it was yeah. one of one of the one of uh, the better experiences that I've ever had at a live music event and that was just a guy with a guitar mm-hmm. you know um, Johnny Lang at the last Jazz Fest that I went to. Just yeah. One of the best shows I've ever seen. You know? Yeah. And his albums, I've since gone, gone and um, checked out some of his albums, and they're just so much tamer than what his presence and performances on stage. But I'm just. Yeah, it's hard to capture, man. Live, yeah. you know. When somebody's real good live, it's hard to capture it, mm-hmm. like in a recording. Yeah. Especially if it's in her, it's, it's hard to capture emotion, you know, in, in, in a performance. Yeah, see them uh, exercise the demons, you know, have it yeah. come out of them on the stage at that time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, yeah. and then I guess that's part of the thrill of going, what makes you want to go back to see another person? Absolutely, again, you know? dude. I want to see them lose it again, wh- however they. However, they're going to get down this time, you know. Right. And whereas it's a CD, it becomes just a, a copy press thing. So you get that one experience from that recording. And, you know, kind of going back to what we we're talking about, marketability, people want it to be 
what is something that people are going to want to hear like every time when they hit that repeat button, mm-hmm. you know, whereas live shows, it's, it's a free for all. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. So, which makes it to me more exciting. Oh yeah. So yeah, man, live music, you need to support it. Yeah. It's great. Yep. There's a, what's your favorite venue around here? Around here, like, are we talking about, like, the Gulfport Ocean Springs yeah. area in general? Yeah, um, Juke Joint's pretty good. Yeah, I love the Juke Joint. Yeah. Juke Joint is awesome. Yeah. They've got a good outside area. The inside's a, a little small, but they... And they always got a crowd, expanded it, like, so. too. Yeah, they've got a strong fan Every time base. I've ever played there, it there was a lot of people there, and I know they wasn't there for us. They were just there, you know? Yeah. You know where I'd like to play? I'd like to do, like, um, the Thirsty Hippo up in Hattiesburg or, or like, T-Bones Records, something yeah. like that. Man, I've, I've, I've called and tried to get in there, uh, you know. I don't, have, I don't have a huge Hattiesburg following, you know. Yeah. But, um... I've I've actually played once. I've I know I've played there I've played there twice. I played there at their there's a listening room in the basement of a church that they have once a month. And it is phenomenal. I played there a couple months back. And then there's the tavern, which is this grungy rock and roll billiard place. Mm-hmm. And I opened for Sonic Graffiti there one time. And that was really cool. But uh yeah, I would love to play this Thirsty Hippo too, man. But, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like uh, songwriters probably probably not the best venue for a songwriter. But, you know, I could get the band back together. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> get the band back together. But, uh, yeah, you know, we we had a Psych P show uh, back in August. You know, we did a... Yeah, I saw that. We did a How one, did that go? Dude, it was all it was it was fire, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I broke I broke my Jaguar, and uh, Dave Dave managed to detune his entire guitar, <laughs> and uh, it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun, and we it was it was packed. It was a it was a packed house. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Who'd you have on bass? We had no bass player. We did no it. Bass. We did it back like we did it when we first started. It was just a one show, you know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a. Uh, I think like we're gonna start it back up. It was just a. It was just a one show. Let's see if we can remember how to play these five songs, and we did. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a we practiced all day at, at Skate Mountain. Yeah, uh, uh, Skate Mountain has a has a warehouse over in Daphne where they have like some rooms about this size and um that are set up with the it's like studio quality stuff and mm-hmm. you just ban and they're completely isolated, sonically isolated. So and there's three of them, so we got to go in there and you could just crank your amp up and outside nobody can even hear you. You know, oh, yeah. we we went in there and uh ran through our entire set uh like two or three times. I lost my voice, and then uh then I had to go and we we played that show that night and I could barely even make a sound, dude. Oh wow! Yeah, 
I I had to play my songwriter set open with, you know, so I opened with my songwriter stuff and uh I could barely even make a sound, man. But uh and then it held up long enough and the next day I couldn't hardly speak, but it was uh, it was fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get you another water? Oh no, I'm good, brother. Good? Yeah, I'm good, totally good, yeah. Cool. Well, man, you want to play a number to take us out? Yeah, sure. All right. Sure. Let's, let's do it. Let me, uh, I'm going to go. Ready? All right, this is a new song I just wrote, and it's called uh, An Ode to My Generation. It's about all us punks that went off and got domesticated. Hope you like it. Were you there when the revolution was still young? Were you there when the revolution was still young? When we set ourselves on fire, not knowing they'd watch us burn. Were you there when the revolution was still young? And were you there when the nonconformists were still cool? Or were you there when the nonconformists were still cool? When we declared our only purpose was to break every rule Were you there when the nonconformists were still cool? And rock and roll is all we'd accept And they feared us And they marked us with a name Were you even there in our wild youthful haze? Were you there in our wild and youthful haze? Cause now you cut your hair like your father And you talk about the good old days Were you there in our wild youthful Were you there when MTV taught us about suicide? Oh, were you there when MTV taught us of suicide? When we watched as our only voice fall until the day he died? Oh, were you there when MTV taught us of And they said that grunge was dead And revolution was only in our heads But I was there when the revolution was still young Yes, I was there when the revolution was still young 
And now I just watch as the devil picks us off one by one. But I was there when the revolution was still young. There you go, bro. That's three brand new songs. Coastal Noise exclusives. Yeah. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it.